0: And thank you for listening to today's episode of JTCast, the official podcast of the Journal of Athletic Training. I'm your host, Luke Donovan. This month, we will discuss two articles over two short episodes from the upcoming issue of the Journal of Athletic Training. In the first episode, I will talk about training load and recovery in professional rhythmic gymnasts. In the second episode, I will explore associations among training load, injury burden, and performance in professional rugby. As a reminder, the article discussed today can be found on the JAT website, natajournals.org. And please remember that all content from JAT is open access to all readers thanks to the funding from the National Athletic Trainers Association. The title of the first article is Training Load and Recovery During a Pre-Olympic Season in Professional Rhythmic Gymnasts, authored by Paula Debian and Colleagues. This was an international collaboration from numerous universities, associations, and organizations from Brazil and Australia. Let's survey the scene. The goal of sport training is to promote an appropriate load or stress to achieve a desired outcome and level of performance. To achieve optimal psychophysiological changes, a balance between training and recovery is vital. Disruption of this balance may lead to poor performance and or subsequent injury. Given the various methods and technologies to assess training loads across longitudinal time points, a better understanding of the relationship between the training load and athlete response over the course of a season is possible. Measures such as Rating of Perceived Exertion, known as RPE, have been shown to be a valid and reliable assessment of internal training load. Moreover, RPE is a simple and non-invasive measure that can be used following individual training sessions. From the other perspective, the total quality recovery scale provides a reliable method to monitor athlete recovery. Being both a physical and artistic demanding sport, rhythmic gymnasts are often subjected to high training loads starting at a very young age. Many elite gymnasts have attributed poor sleep quality and high rates of injury to the common training load practices associated with the sport. Researchers have identified relationships between injury risk training load, and perceived recovery. However, these associations remain unclear in a sport such as rhythmic gymnastics. Therefore, the purpose of the study was to analyze the training load and recovery of professional rhythmic gymnasts during one season. Eight elite-level gymnasts participated in the study. Participants were monitored over a 43-week period that consisted of 363 training sessions and 16 competition sessions. The research team had no influence on the training program that the gymnasts followed over the course of the season. The training program was developed by the technical staff and consisted of eight periods. These eight periods were basic preparatory, specific preparatory, pre-competitive, competitive one, varied, competitive two, competitive three, and transitional. The training program was intended for the athletes to peak at numerous time points over the course of the season to align with the timing of specific competitions. Across all training and competition sessions, the internal training load was assessed as the product of the duration of the training session and the respective session RPE score. A weekly internal training load was calculated for each week by taking the sum of all session internal training loads during the associated week. The weekly internal training load was classified according to the range of mean values observed throughout the 43 weeks and were described as being either high, moderate to high, moderate to low, or low. The session RPE score of each session was classified as either high, moderate, or low. Using the weekly internal training load values, the authors computed the acute-to-chronic workload ratio, a ratio that describes the one-week acute workload in relation to the four-week ruling average chronic workload. A ratio above 1.5 constituted a spike in training load. Off days were quantified as a training load of zero. Recovery was monitored using the Total Quality Recovery Scale. Prior to the first training session of each day, athletes answered the question, how do you feel about your recovery, by pointing to a value on a scale ranging from 6 to 20. Like training load, daily recovery scores were used to calculate the weekly average score for each athlete. Performance was measured using the competition scores and rankings obtained over the season. Here are the results. The gymnast trained an average of 8.7 sessions per week, with a mean session duration of 219 minutes and a session RPE rating of 5. Thus, the mean weekly internal load was 10,381 arbitrary units. As anticipated, competition periods influenced training practices. As such, most high weekly training loads, high-intensity training, and spikes in load occurred during competitive phases. Over the course of the 43 weeks, athletes reported a score that represented being under-recovered in 50.9% of the training weeks. Although small to moderate, there were an inverse relationship between total quality recovery scores and weekly internal training loads in session RPE. When further exploring relationships, the periods of under-recovery were more frequent when associated with high-intensity training and an acute-to-chronic workload ratio greater than 1.5. The authors present a novel investigation that enhances our understanding of training loads of elite rhythmic gymnasts. Although there were periods of high weekly internal training loads over the four-week time interval, most weekly training loads and session RP intensities across the season were moderate. In approximately half of the in-season weeks, athletes reported being under-recovered. Periods of competition were associated with increased training loads, increased spikes in training intensities, and decreased recovery. High training loads alone did not cause under-recovery, as under-recovery was most frequently associated with bouts of high-intensity training and acute-to-chronic workload ratios greater than 1.5. The data from this longitudinal study show the importance of managing the type and content progression, and period of training workloads across a professional rhythmic gymnastics season. Well, that's it for today's JAT cast. Please remember to rate and subscribe to the podcast, which is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, and Stitcher. You can find out more information about upcoming podcasts and other JAT events on our Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram accounts at JAT underscore NATA. Thank you for listening and keep a lookout for our next episode.